having a beer after a hard day's work once meant putting up with a six o'clock swill. The swill is not only unpleasant, it's also dangerous. Those who like beer, and surprisingly it's still legal to like it. South Australia joins all other states in abandoning the six o'clock swill. Welcome to the 6 o'clock Swill, episode 35, with Nick Cater and Tim Blair coming to you from the socialist, soon-to-be Republic of Australia, <laughs> as we celebrate the election of Anthony Albanese as Prime Minister. Joining me here in the studio as we raise a glass of shabbly is Caroline DeRusso, who's escaped from the socialist stronghold of Western Australia to seek asylum. Uh, let me apologise before we get into the election for the duff tips I gave you last week and if anyone was crazy enough to place a bet on them all I can say is it's your own stupid fault. I'll, I'll have a word to you later on about that mate because um, yeah I've had to take out a second mortgage and that's just <laughs> haven't even moved into the place yet. Yeah well yeah I'm sorry there were very good odds on uh, Craig Kelly becoming Prime Minister and I thought they were worth <laughs> taking but apparently not. Oh my god oh my god Nick. Caroline you, 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 you see things slightly with a slightly different light over in over in the West there. Um, we do everything differently in the West. So, so come on, tell me, was it a surprise to you, honestly? Um, the extent of the swing was a surprise. Look, we always knew there were going to be at least a couple of seats that had question marks over them. Um, that the swing, and particularly the swing in uh, those safe and regional seats, so even O'Connor had like a 9% swing, like that there was, that was unexpected. Well, getting down to the weeds a bit, uh, I should be saying, I mean, we, we have many listeners from overseas. We should say that the election was won by Labor after nine years of coalition government and the West Australians, inexplicably in my mind, um, went with Albo. Tim, how was how it from your point of view? Your, your seat, uh, you were swingers there in the seat of Robertson, weren't you? You swung towards Labor. We are the bellwether seat. It's why we, moved, why, why we moved here. I mean, it's a big draw. You know, everyone wants to live in a bellwether. And um, it's, it went, of course, with uh, the new government. I was more paying attention more to the, the Teals, who are going to be fascinated because they've got impressive numbers. I think there's six of them, including the original Teal, Zali Stegel. But they are kind of sidelined because there's a majority Labor government, or there should be. Um, it's, I don't think it's official yet, but it'll probably come in. So what are those Teal girls going to do except sit around and, you know, support Labor with all their votes and talk about climate change? Because that's basically what they do anyway, except now we're paying them for it. Seems seems redundant. They're going to sit around and squeal, aren't they? The squealing Teelies. <laughs> A friend of mine noted that... Um, the, the, Porsche cars were very prominent among the Teal supporters. Um, oh, yeah. Lots of Cayens. Well, so he, he calls them Porsche Elaines. <laughs> well, I, from reports I hear from the polling booths, it was very much a movement of doctors' wives, young professional women, and uh, and kids. Kids, well, I'd say kids. People in their 20s who've got university degrees can't find a job that pays them enough to live away from home. So they're living with mum and dad on the leafy North Shore. And uh, voting teal. I guess that's uh, what comes of higher education. It's also unhelpful, I suppose, that our policy platform uh, didn't have anything for young people or didn't explain 
how our policy platform was relevant to young people. Mm. So if we don't tell pe- young people why they should vote for us, well, why would they? It's a good point. I thought it was a mistake to move the voting age below 35. Uh, probably 50 would be a better cut-off point for my mind. <laughs> <but, laughs> I, I would, I would add to that a property provision. You've got to actually have a property. All right, all right. Yeah. Calm down. Yeah. Calm down, gents. Calm down, please. And, and, and a gun licence and, and be able to drive a manual car. There's a whole lot of things I'd impose. And what got into us if we decided to give women the vote if we really wanted to make this a... <laughs> If we really wanted this fair, we, w- we wouldn't allow women to vote precisely. And whoever's watching, I'm being sarcastic. I can just see myself being misquoted on that one. Something it's called cool. irony, everybody. Irony. Yeah, yeah. I was in, uh, in Kuwait once and uh, had a local English language paper. And uh, there was a big debate at the time about allowing women to have the vote in Kuwait. I think they've since won the right. But um, they interviewed a, a Kuwaiti parliamentarian after a, a vote to allow women uh, to vote had been rejected and uh, he interviewed this parliamentarian he had the best line he said well that's democracy for you <laughs> maybe 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 look up the definition there pal <laughs> oh, that's terrible that well, is terrible the the electoral map uh, or the map the political map has just changed it was like an it's a small earthquake mm-hmm. happened across certainly the inner city district so the north shore of sydney now is now was solidly blue, like you couldn't get a safer seat than uh, McKellar, or, you know, even even two elections ago. Now all that has swung either mm. red or teal, and Hornsby basically is the is the point at which the conservative forces are holding out. Uh, it's, Barely, it's like a, yeah, it's it's like uh, Custer's last stand. That's the seat, of course, held at state level by Matt Keane who spent election night going to a series of uh, Labor parties. He was at um, he was at Peter Fitzsimons' place with all the all the lovely people, among <laughs> among others. When I said it's a Conservative stronghold, that's probably overestimating it a bit. Matt Keane is definitely a, a Labor person. While we're chatting, I'll find the email he sent to his supporters on Monday, which uh, is quite revealing. But the, so the battle the battle is on within the party, isn't it? Do they go? Yeah. Do they go? Further to the left, no, because they lost they lost seats to a lot of lefties. Or do they do they stay where they are? You know, basically, or move it to be the centre, a party of liberal principles and values, which um, just a little bit conservative. I wrote about this this week. I wrote about it this week. And what was your conclusion? And my conclusion was, it's actually really self indulgent to talk about it being about left or right. And if we just go back and we listen to the community and identify what the issues are and then structure solutions based on our principles, then we will come up with good practical policies for everyday Australians. The everyday Australian doesn't think in terms of left or right. This is they true. They think, does that policy make it easier for me to do business or does that policy make it easier for me to build a house or whatever the situation is? That's how the average Australian thinks about, well, is this policy platform preferable um, or not preferable. Can't we just do that? Like, why why do we have to put everything through an ideological lens like it makes us smarter, better people? It doesn't. It, it, it just disconnects us from the people that we're actually trying to help. That's actually very astute, Carolyn, as you'd expect, but uh, it sounds a lot like your article might be of a piece with something I wrote earlier. I think it was yeah. earlier. Um, that if the Liberal Party refocuses as a cost-of-living party, that... Mm. 
puts aside really the right-left issues. Cost of living is going to become increasingly an issue during the life of this government. It can't help but, but do so. Um, if you drive towards policies that aim to address the cost of living, you'll, you'll by default get what uh, people looking at through an ideological lens would describe as conservative. So you get that anyway. So you'll, you'll cheer up the base. But at the same time, you'll do the right damn thing by the people of Australia. We are going to hit a wall fairly soon in terms of uh, we've already got the debt. We're, we've got rising inflation. We'll talk a bit more about that later in regards to our friends uh, in New Zealand. And if we simply refocus as a cost of living party, well, it kind of puts the teals outside of that whole argument. It puts all these um, people who are so insulated by wealth that they can worry about what the weather's going to be like 100 years from now, puts them in the shade. A lovely, you know, coastal shade, but yeah. They're not well placed, are they, to talk about the cost of living in the, in, in the terms ordinary Australians understand? I mean, teal voters would not know the price of a loaf of bread because uh, I think most of them are on high-protein, low-carb diets yeah. for a start. and They would have no idea about petrol. I mean, they don't drive very far mm. for a start, do they? Because uh, they like it where they are. And, and they, they, they fear that if they got too far away from the, east, the, the mm. eastern suburbs or the North Shore, they might come face-to-face with a <gasps> one-nation <laughs> Something, something like scary. But, uh, so Matt Keane's solution is, as we said, to move further to the left. This is, this is what he wrote in The Guardian. Expel him from the Liberal Party. That's strike two. He went to Fitzy's place and he's running for the Guardian. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't quite see why. I don't think anybody who ever votes Liberal ever will vote Liberal ever reads the Guardian. So quite why it appeared in there, I don't know. But he circulated it. He circulated in an email to all his party friends, uh, just in case they missed it in the Guardian, uh, and signed it, uh, Yours in Liberalism, Matt Keane. Liberalism well, with a lower case L, of course. That's strike three. Go on, yeah, yeah, he, out. So he, said, he, says, he says, sincerity. Sincerity does not mean some tweaks. It means supporting universal, affordable and accessible childcare so that women do not have to choose between having children and having a career. It means acting on sexual harassment at work. It means speaking out against dangerous anti-vaccine and Trumpian conspiracy. It also means adopting science-aligned emissions reduction targets of between 45 and 60% by 2030. It, it struck me as being entirely uncontroversial uh, within the Green Party, but rather strange for a Liberal MP, I thought, to come out with that. And, and where's it going to get him? Is this going to win the coalition I office? I just find it interesting that he's using the word sincerity as if he knows what it means. <laughs> I mean, that there's the most fascinating part. Um, and the list there um, are all things which are really convenient to yeah. his position. Well, there's, I could, you know, you could list 20 other things um, which are, you know, equally or more important than than his list of his list of pet hates mm. um, that that are more relevant to everyday Australians. And particularly someone who's in state parliament, you would think something like, I don't know, maybe supply for new housing might be something that you'd be interested in. <laughs> I don't know. He's getting a he's got a profile for himself, you have to say that. Uh, he's got a few things for himself, Nick. <laughs> I like his spacesuit. Do you remember when he sat for a um a a portrait for the Archibald Prize, mm. and he wore something. It looked like he was wearing some sort of yes. alf, alfoil outfit, and he was holding a burning flower and yes. gazing to the distance like a sort of a, 
a background actor in a in a really bad Star Trek episode. He's yeah, a, he's he's an odd unit. I thought the the uniform was a sort of cross between a NASA astronaut mm. and a Wiggle. <laughs> yes, he he's the alfoil Wiggle. That was uh, I have to say that was painting painted by my good friend Charles, who uh, is a great friend of the mm. Menzies Research Centre. Who I work with, and a Charles, fabulous painter. <laughs> Charles was very pleased that he got that he got that painting through the Archibald yeah. judges to get to become a finalist mm. in the course win. The first time ever, I think, that the face of a a Liberal Party member yeah. had ever appeared in the Archibald competition in the finals. Uh, but of course, it was that particular Liberal Party member, the one that's yeah. acceptable to the ABC, the, the one who's uh, always taken as the voice of moderate reasonableness by the ABC, Again, as opposed to the mad right-wingers the like... Um, well, there was another bright spot. There was a bright spot. There was the performance of Jane Carrow in the New South Wales Senate. She ran for the Reason Party. Received, by the end, I think she'd received something like $70,000 in donations. 18 votes mm-hmm. uh, below the line, and I think the Reason Party got 500 or so votes above. So that's a, that's a great ROI. Well done, Jane. Jane for Mark. Like, this is the other thing. The left has spent the last four years railing against Scott Morrison as being Scotty from marketing. Jane Carrier comes along. She's literally Jane from marketing. That's what her gig was. And it, apparently it's okay if it's Jane from marketing, but, but you know, such great marketing that she only got you know, a dozen and a half votes directly for her. So here's to you, Jane. See you in the next election, sweetheart. She doesn't strike me as a KPI-rich sort of person. So, look, she probably was pretty happy with the yeah, results. Yeah, double figures. Seriously, seriously, I know the voting voting booths are anonymous, but we should find these 18 people, shouldn't we? Well, you sound like that Greens <laughs> candidate. No. Did you see that tweet? <laughs> what was that? What was that? That was a shocker. So there was some Greens candidate who was really upset that in the seat she'd run in, um, that 5,000 people, or five, some number, I think it was 5,000 people, had voted for One Nation and she wanted their addresses <laughs> so they could take the trash out. And I thought, you know, how wonderfully tolerant and compassionate and, you know, ponies and fluffy clouds and rolling hills that mm. the Greens party are. And, um, yeah. And the, the irony is, and, and I made this comment the other night on Andrew Bolt's show, that they live in such a bubble that they don't realise that the rest of us actually think yeah. the Greens are trash. Mm. Yeah. I but do. we don't want their addresses because we are actually tolerant. We don't care what you do in your Seriously, own Seriously, I... You can, you, can, you can generally tell where they live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, out of pure, it was a pure, a purely out of sense of compassion that I want their addresses. These people need some help. We need to get them to <laughs> a doctor. Just talking about the isolation these people live in, I, I used to live in the eastern suburbs in Sydney and uh, I was at a little party somewhere or some sort of wine bar thing, I can't remember, but a couple of local identities were there. And I overheard them talking about, what well, we've got to stop these roundabouts. They're putting roundabouts in. I can't believe it. And I said, um, well, hang on, hang on, guys. Where, where are these roundabouts? And they said, oh, no, 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 in Aspen. <laughs> Seriously, guys? Right, fine. And it's true, actually. If you ever go to Aspen, I've been there once. It's one of the, one of the few American cities that has roundabouts. That's how perverse it is. The second home. Yes. The second home. I have a home in Aspen, of course. Pauline Hanson picked up a few votes, of course. I think she won a seat in Queensland, but these appeared to be Liberal Party and National Party voters on strike, mm. probably Liberal Party Maybe, voters, yeah. I think. Never a good sign. The other things that I thought were interesting was um, 
in the outer Melbourne seats held by Labor, the swing towards the Libs. Oh, yeah. Mm. I thought that was fascinating. Um, and the other thing I thought was fascinating was the size of the green vote. Mm. Well, not fascinating as much as it's terrifying, but um, there was uh, quite a substantial green vote and, and we saw Terry Butler yes. lose her seat in Griffith. Um, McNamara, they're still counting and, and that's close. I'm not quite sure what the the uh, difference is there, but McNamara was close. It's close. And um, even Tanya, I think Tanya Plibersek's seat even took a swing towards the Greens. So mm. that there is going to be interesting. The cannibalisation of the Labor Party from the left, um, I think that's going to be fascinating. Mm. The, 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 certainly the tradie vote continues to move the coalition's way, even even in this election, as you say. This, that this, this is true, but there are more than tradies out in the economy. Sure. There are young people, there are small businesses, there are women, there are all these other groups of people that we can very easily create yes. policy for. Um, and we either don't create the policy for for them or we don't explain how our policy applies to them. Mm. The one common thing is for all of those groups is cost of living and um, drive towards that and you've um, uh, the rest of the policies write themselves. The small business stuff, I think, is really important and, and particularly, um, and this was something that I noted this week, like why don't we have a big platform policy for the digital economy? That there is something that would be of interest to young entrepreneurs, that's something that's interested, um, interested for women particularly over the course of the pandemic, you know, a lot of women took their businesses mm -hmm. online. A lot of women have online businesses so they can work from home. Why don't we have um, a policy platform um, in relation to that? Because that there would be really, really broad. Mm. The appeal for yep. it would be broad, but we don't have it because, you know, just everything has to have a hard hat. You make a, you make a very hard point about hats. That's good. Anthony Albanese, our new Prime Minister, has hit the ground reviewing. Uh, he was snapped uh, by a Daily Telegraph photographer, wasn't it, Tim? That's correct. Outside his home, picking up a News Limited, News Corporation, Rupert Murdoch newspaper off the oh, lawn. Uh, sorry, sorry, two of them. Two of the them. The Oz and the uh, Daily Telegraph, yes. And, and sporting some tracky dacks, a T-shirt, and worst of oh, all... Oh, no, 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 not tracky dacks, oh, no, oh, no. Peter Alexander pyjamas, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they were a special... They're a special Easter edition from a few years ago, so um, he stepped out in his bunny pants. The Prime Minister in bunny pants, but, but, but far yes. worse than that, I thought, with the Ugg boots. I Look, mean, you're talking to someone from Werribee, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go through a pair every year, seriously. But seriously, it was an embarrassing picture. I think it's, it's a lesson every Prime Minister has to learn once, don't they? That, that as Prime Minister, you must wear a suit and tie all the time, even in bed. <laughs> you remember Tony Abbott, of course, learnt it when he was snapped with his yep. bungee smugglers on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the Elmley, so I, I, to me anyway, at least, the up boots are far more embarrassing than anything Abbott ever did. Much worse than the onion eating. Well, oh. I think particularly given if you got Ugg boots and you're in Grandler and most of your constituents are probably mm. vegan, yeah, I think it could be an electoral problem. Insensitive. Do you remember, Caroline, some some decades ago, or well, obviously then you won't remember it because it was some decades ago, but um, uh, Pamela Anderson um, became a big deal vegan and uh, she was talking about vegan stuff all the time. And someone pointed out that um, this didn't sit well, her vegan attitudes, with her um, fondness for Ugg boots. 
they were they were a huge fashion yeah. trend in um in uh, Hollywood for a time. They were when they were particularly laced up at the sides. That's the ones, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, classy with a capital K. Yeah, Pamela didn't know what, what no. the Ugg boots were made out of. I mean, <laughs> this this surprises no one, dear. It'll be interesting, Tim. I think it'll be plenty to talk about in the next few weeks. That's a good thing. Uh, plenty yes. of funny things as well, no doubt. It's not all going to go according to plan for them. No. Well, it never does for any government. But uh, this might have been this might have been a good election to lose. Let's just say there's a few things coming down the pike. I know that Caroline's very much aware of them from the financial and uh, and housing sector side. And um, none of those numbers are pointing in the right direction, are they, Caroline? No, they're most certainly not. And actually, there's a really interesting piece um, that Jeff Kennett wrote in the Herald Sun about whoever wins this election loses the next one. And the 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 thing uh, with Labor is, you know, people voted for Labor because they wanted hope. Well, mm. hope turns to disappointment really, really quickly when you don't deliver. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole bunch of things here which the Labor government might be able to have some policy impact on but a lot of these things are a mark of like there's a lot you can't outspend gravity and i was saying that in 2020 and we still managed to kind of hold this thing up but it's going to get to a point where we we can't keep holding this thing up um so there will be there will be i suppose some sort of reckoning and and some sort of um correction Mm. which i think there probably has to be when you see what's already playing out internationally mm. um, in the uh, particularly in the inflation and interest rate yeah. um, sense um, so I think it's going to be a really rocky really rocky term uh, actually and you know labor I think they probably have to be a little bit careful about you know the, the hope that they are giving um, to Australians because they need to be able to deliver and, and if they don't it, it, it will they will go poorly. So it was a big week too for the Billawheela family. Their vote for Labor paid off, Tim. Tell us about it. This is a family of Sri Lankan Tamil refugees. Um, uh, the two parents arrived on boats in uh, 2013 and 2014, I think, and subsequently married, had two children in Australia, living in Billawheela, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, on a bridging visa, which was subsequently you know, it, it timed out. So they were placed in detention, uh, and they've been uh, refugee advocates have been campaigning for them ever since. And now Jim Chalmers, the interim Home Affairs Minister Jim Chalmers, personally intervened, and the family will be going back to their Queensland home of Biloela. This is the Murugappan family again. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, everyone's all very happy. And uh, Anthony Albanese has said that he's never been of the view. Uh, that he should, that the government should use um, punishment or detention as a deterrent to others. But that actually does work. It's, we've, we've proven that um, Australia's hard line towards boat arrivals actually functions really well. I don't think it sends a. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I'd be I'd be very concerned about the message it sends to the um, the people smuggling industry, and it is an industry that um, Australia is now an easy touch again. We'll see. We only have to break break the tough 
tough on boats thing once mm. and you're no longer tough on boats, right? That's the problem. That's right. And, and, and it's not so much the issue of people arriving, it's the danger of the voyage that we should be looking at primarily. Even if people are trying to get here and they're being turned back, even if they're trying to get here, that's, uh, that's people at risk. And we saw how many people died during the last Labor government. It was horrifying. And I know whenever I talk about this or write about it, uh, you'll have people from the left saying, oh, yeah, as if, as if you know, a horrible conservative cares about lives. We don't. We don't, do we? Kind of the nature of conservatism, really. But, you um, No. Well, the no. Greens have already been... They're already upset about the boat turnbacks. Yeah. They're upset about potential uh, gas and coal yeah. mine approvals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine, you know, there'll be more. There'll be more, and it'll just be interesting... Uh, with how the Senate falls and, uh, you know, how how well Labor can hold on to um, our border security policy. Um, uh, hopefully it doesn't become a bargaining chip with the Greens for other stuff. Yes, good point. Your point, point earlier, Tim, that the Greens have increased their presence in the Parliament. I think 12 in the Senate. Can we stand mm. it? Can we really stand it? And, and and three in the lower house now, including two from Brisbane. I thought Brisbane was the big, tough, realistic, down-to-earth city. No, no. That's that's always been the great myth of Queensland. They love regulations and love rules. Um, <laughs> the most dramatic example I ever received of this was a town outside of Brisbane. It was uh, one of those petrol stations that um, has like a, a little eatery, a little restaurant attached to it, cafe. And I walked up to the counter and I ordered a steak sandwich with the lot. And the woman behind the counter, I was the only person, by the way, ordering. And the woman behind the counter glared at me and pointed up towards a couple of signs. And there were two arrows. And one was for ordering steak sandwiches and the other was for ordering hamburgers. I was in the wrong line. Oh, that's a shocker. I'd broken a rule. And by the way, this the place, what their version of a steak sandwich with the lot was a steak sandwich with a hamburger in it. So it was, a, my, it was my, an unusual venue. I had an extraordinary experience in the Imperial Hotel, I think it was, in Ravenswood up there in um, oh, about a couple of hours' drive out of Townsville. Sitting there, and there was a guy at the bar sitting down with a big plate of steak and chips. Mm, delicious. And uh, yeah. on the bar, it was just happened to be the day the food inspector arrived. And he came up to this. <laughs> That's chap always said, good to be in the shop when the food inspector lobs, <laughs> <laughs> and you're already halfway through your meal. He, he grabs. He, he he comes over. He, he says to the landlord, "Only finger food is permitted at the bar." And the guy with the with the steak and sandwich said, "All right." Threw his knife and fork over his shoulder, <laughs> grabbed his steak in his hands, and chucked into it. <laughs> Again, what's with the damn rules? It's, uh, it's, it's a funny joke. People also forget that the first Labor government in the world, I think, was elected in Queensland. So um, you've, you know, they've, they go way back with uh, their kinship on that side of politics. Well, things are going to have to change. I mean, you know, as you drive out of Queensland Airport, Brisbane Airport, there's that marvellous sign at the sign of the road, big advert for a steakhouse in, mm. uh, in Queensland with the slogan, the worst vegetarian restaurant in the world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's going to have to go. That, that, that is in the green-held seat of Brisbane now. Oh, yes, it is. entirely disrespectful and uh, harmful and uh, possibly will cause... It's hate speech. It's hate speech. <laughs> will co- hate speech will cause suicidization. 
amongst the already vulnerable vegan population. Has to go. Has to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently, by the way, um, being investigated by the press council. I'm not surprised. Just the press council, not the police. I think they've got a separate wing just for me these days, but they're upset. <laughs> what did you do? I, um, oh, look, some guy in the US travelled 2,500 kilometres to Washington so he could set himself on fire and die. And this was his protest at climate change. Mm-hmm. So there were complaints, and now the press council are asking me to justify what I've done. I've, I've only sent a couple of brief responses so far. But I, I think I might... I might tell them that if they proceed with this, I'll kill myself and see how they respond to that. Like, check, check, checkmate, press council. You know, deal, deal with that as a response. Because what apparently... Was, what was their complaint, Tim? What, what did you do wrong? Oh, apparently I trivialised a terrible, you know, thing. I mean, you know, the guy... Apparently I was disrespectful to someone who disrespects himself so much that he poured petrol over himself and lit a match. I'm not sure what my, what, uh, my issue is, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, they're upset. We'll see what happens. Trivialising is what you're paid to do at the Telegraph. It's, it's your <laughs> livelihood at threat, isn't it? <laughs> been, if this rule, t- ruling held. That's, that's, a, that's a note in his insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it for 57 years. I'm not sure I can really change now and suddenly become Michelle Grattan overnight. <laughs> I, could, I could transition. Darling, just stick to your strengths, please. Talking of transitioning, what a great segue. Uh, to something other, as we talk about something other than the Australian election. Yes. Ricky Gervais uh, this week launched uh, a Netflix special and uh, immediately drew calls for him to be cancelled uh, for what I thought was an entirely innocent series of gags. Let me play you one of them anyway. I love the, the new women. I know the new women. They're great, aren't they? You know the new ones we've been seeing lately? The, the ones with beards and <laughs> They're as good as... They're as good as gold. I love them. No, it's the old-fashioned. With and now the old-fashioned, they're like, oh, they want to use our toilets. Why shouldn't they use your toilets? For ladies. They are ladies. Look at their pronouns. <laughs> what about this person that isn't a lady? Well, <laughs> his penis. <laughs> Her penis, f***ing <laughs> bigot. <laughs> 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 He's got a point, hasn't he? I mean, so have they. That's the problem. <laughs> a bit later on in the show, he says, "Look, the problem with these people is why can't they meet us halfway? Yes, drop the penis. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't cancel Ricky Gervais. No, some are too if, big. If, if if Hollywood couldn't cancel him over his speech, at, was it the Golden Globes? Yeah, may have been. Yeah, yeah." then he can't be cancelled. It's him, Dave Chappelle. And us. And us. You and, <laughs> and I, us. Tim. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're, they're above the sort of uh, level at which you can be cancelled. We're below it. We're, we're under, right. the, under well, that well line. below it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Let, let me warn any transgender activists who are listening to this podcast looking for offence that... Uh, if you want to put pressure on our advertisers to stop advertising with us... Yeah, t- go for it. We have no advertisers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Take them all on. We've, pr- we've pre-boycotted. But I, I, to me, I mean, this is... This is I think with Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle, of course, has taken on this subject as well with equal insensitivity. <laughs> Surely this... This means they're on the retreat, doesn't it? I mean, once once they get, start getting poked fun at by these, you know, 
very popular, widely admired uh, comedians, then they've lost the game, haven't they? Yeah, but they play a different game, one that doesn't involve humour or nuance or reason. Uh, They play a game of uh, indignation, uh, taking offence at anything, and when that doesn't work, and often it does, they simply shift the goalposts again. They make it um, even easier to uh, pretend to be slighted or uh, upset by things that people have said. It's largely a way of um, marginalising voices that they find they can't compete with any other way. They try to silence them rather than argue or to come up with a, with a, a contrary line in uh, comedy themselves. So, yeah, it's all a tactic. It's all performance and, uh, you know, good luck with it because uh, Gervais and uh, Chappelle, among others, they're more clever than you and they'll win. I think what we often miss here, you know, on the sensible centre-right is, is that, that they that, that much of this actually is aimed at members of their own kind, isn't it? There is this constant battle on, it seems to me, within the within the woke community to be woker than thy neighbour and uh, try and gain, gain some status within the woke community by being that degree extra more mm. pure and righteous. And actually, the, the, the group of people that um, come uh, like come off the worst, really, when it comes to um, the transgender lobby are the lesbians. Yes, mm. I mean they are right in the firing line, and they're like, "Look, we're just not interested in in what you're selling." I suppose you know they're, they're, <laughs> yes. like, they're just not. And then all of a sudden, they become transphobes. They're not turfs. They become turfs. They become turfs. So, you know, the the lesbian community is is probably, um, you know, the marginaliser of the, of the, mar- the broader marginalised, I suppose. I actually feel really sorry for them. Well, we, we, well this show, Tim and I are very pro-lesbian, aren't we, Tim? We, We're against we, nobody, really. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the woke than woke. Well, sometimes it backfires. And we've seen recently in New Zealand, if I may shift the topic, mm. New Zealand was the uh, subject of a, a woke quake. <laughs> Remember the wellness budget? I mean, <laughs> what the wellness, a <laughs> Exactly. A woke this, this all led in 2016 when, when the evil man, the, the orange uh, wicked beast from the United States, when Donald Trump was elected president, it was a huge move among various people uh, announcing on Facebook and social media that uh, they would either flee to Canada or New Zealand. I'm not sure how many people actually made those trips. But if they'd moved to New Zealand, something very fascinating is happening now. There was a Tiki Fulton piece in the Oz this week, and she's mentioning um, uh, that there was a survey of people selling their houses. Four out of ten of the people surveyed said they were selling so they could move to Australia because New Zealand, economically is hitting the rotors, my friends. They've got... Um, That's an understatement. They've got uh, inflation about pushing up towards 6.5%, something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, they've got all number of other issues associated with that. They don't have, as, as Tiki pointed out, they don't have the broad uh, economic base that Australia has. They're, they're a lot mm. narrower. Uh, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a lot more of a, of a contracted economy almost by design. They've got stagflation because housing prices are already yeah. tanking. 
Um, and there are some, I saw some figures this week and they were eye-watering. Were they? Yeah, they were it, absolutely it, it, eye-watering. So when you've got inflation, then you're going to have interest rates going up and you've got asset prices down. Yes. It's the holy trinity of this is not going well. It's, it's a, it, they've only got one industry, basically, but it's a good one, I think. Both of the islands have given over entirely, it seemed to me, to converting rainwater into protein. And, yes. Uh, yes. and they do very well. I mean, surely there's never going to be any lack of demand for that. But uh, Well, they are a very resourceful bunch in New Zealanders. Could you say that? No, they are. I mean, I remember in the sort of pre-computer era, a lot of people from New Zealand would get jobs uh, backpacking through Europe as mechanics and so on mm-hmm. because they were all very gifted at repairing an engine by using barbed wire and a hammer. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they had to because, uh, you know, up until... Mm-hmm. Mm. Relatively recently, there, there wasn't. You know, I think New Zealand were ahead of us. They were allowed, they allowed cars to be imported directly from Japan uh, secondhand, yeah, and so right. on. Different restrictions, mm. different restrictions were uh, were lifted. But uh, they had, you know, their car fleet in the 1960s was from the 1930s. They had to keep working on things, you know, just to keep things Except. mobile. Yeah, they might be going back there. But think about it: if four out of ten are moving to Australia, I mean that there's that there's very helpful for our labour shortage. I mean, we are never going to run out of scaffolders. We are never going to run out of shearers. We, I'm not sure what else they do over there, but look. They, rug, they rugby. They, they rugby. rugby. It's great news for the removal, the trans-Tasman removal industry, of it course. They, they're, going to, they're, going to, they're going to clip the ticket two ways, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously, when they move over in the next few weeks and probably in nine months' time after... A spell of the Labor government here, they'll be moving back. So, uh, Well, that's terrific. the thing. They're coming over here to escape financial and economic issues. Well, did they just see who we elected? Did they, <laughs> did, does this not give them pause? Does this not make them maybe reconsider and, and maybe, maybe uh, Sri Lanka's an option? Maybe, yeah, maybe someone should say to them, look, you're further, you, you are up to your neck in the proverbial, but you're further <laughs> through than what Australia is. They're just a few months behind. You yeah. don't want to fly over and then essentially be earlier in the process of wading through said proverbial. <laughs> you might have a point about Sri Lanka, Tim. I mean, that, that would be a good option, wouldn't it? I mean, they come over here. Mm. Um, they, they get a fairly reasonable price, I think, on a one-way ticket back on one of those floating hulks because... Um, they, I mean, they're taking a lot of people this way and they must be running empty on the way back. I mean, they get a bargain ticket, I would have thought. But, uh. Absolutely. Well, I, I, look for, I look forward to the um, repopulation of Bondi and, um, and uh, great work for speech therapists in Australia as they, they help our new arrivals um, learn how to communicate <laughs> and, and, and get through a job interview without people laughing. Nina Jankovic, the controversial head of the... <laughs> Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Disinformation Board. That's a worrying name, isn't it? She's resigned, apparently, following weeks of attacks on her appointment. She said, it's deeply disappointing, she said. This is the resignation letter she wrote that was leaked in inverted commas to CNN. It's deeply disappointing that mischaracterizations of the board have become a distraction from the department's vital work. I thought the whole point of this board was to deal with disinformation, and disinformation apparently has derailed it. Doesn't make any sense at all, does She's it? She's wrong. She was derailed by information. The disinformation board was derailed by information, mostly about her. She's a lunatic. Did, uh, did she did she sing that resignation letter? That would have been the appropriate <laughs> form of delivery, because there's ridiculous YouTube videos of her. I think she expressed it through the medium of dance. 
Oh, right. Okay, well, that'll get you kicked out. Interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah, she's, um, she's an interesting person. Um, I would have thought she wouldn't have been entirely appropriate to, um, to head up a disinformation board given how much uh, crap she'd written online about stolen elections in 2016 and so on and uh, Russian dossiers that uh, proved to be not true. That, would, yes. uh, that might cancel a person as an appropriate applicant. So we, do we take her resignation as a sign? One, one more sign mm. of the pushback that is, is yeah, long overdue. Well, the, you've got to factor the Disney stock price into this. They went woke. They did. And they, they're, they're tanking. The Mickey Mouse company. Netflix is, is standing up to the woke employees in their midst, telling them that they might not be a good fit with the company going forward mm. because um, they are going to continue putting it... I mean, I think the Gervais thing is Netflix, isn't it? It is. Yes. And Dave Chappelle, that's another yep. great... So they've told people, you know, if you don't like these things, shut up. You know, they're not for you. Don't watch them. It's okay. I don't, and they don't care if you're employed at Netflix or not. And they've they've literally warned their staff. You know, maybe you are. Maybe you should find a job somewhere else. It's great, isn't it? When a company's motivated to make real money, it does kind of alter the equation. But how long? I mean, eventually they'll turn, won't they? They all do. It depends on which way the money's going. I mean, the money was all trending wokewards not so long ago. Now they're cancelling shows called. I think there was one program by some some race-baiting goon about, you know, evil whiteness. They're, they're being pulled. They're being stopped because the money isn't there. The money was there, you know, perhaps 24, 36 months ago. It's, uh, it's fading now. And um, Netflix, like all good capitalists, uh, going with the uh, monetary flow. In this case, it's now obviously trending away from woke and towards good times. wish someone could tell the ABC that. I wish someone could tell the ABC a lot of things. Speaking about people with no advertising, it's uh, it's mostly in the era. It's, it's terrible in the era of woke or the era of let's say let's let's redefine it, the era of complaint. One of the most uh, effective tactics of the aggressive complainy left has been to go after advertisers on proper media. You know to to present campaigns that seem to be backed by thousands of people but actually only backed by some single lunatic in a Perth university. But you try to use that tactic on the ABC, of course you, you can't. There's no way that you can do it. There no advertisers, um, no leverage. And, uh, and they're immune to low ratings as well. Uh, and uh, the great testament to that is something called Radio National. They, they I can't. have never listened to Radio National. No, no. And I, I, by the way, I'm getting tired. They keep saying all these defenders of the ABC... When bushfires and floods are happening, that's who we turn to. They'll save us. Now, I've you live in Grindler. You live in Grindler. <laughs> there, there is no bushfire in Grindler, sweet pea. But when um, when uh, the big bushfires happened at the start of 2020, mm. you know, I'm out in the Central Coast. Obviously, you know, there were bushfires around and about. But when we weren't directly threatened, but when Sydney residents were complaining about ash falling on their properties and <laughs> clouding the skies. We were getting burned leaves falling on us. Now, according to the theory, I should have been tuned 24-7 to the ABC in its various forms to, to make sure I'd be alive. But I just listened to local radio, television, you know, online, social media. I, I, no need for the ABC. It's, it's this, this stuff about them being our saviours when there's fires. 
What are you tuning into, uh, Triple J? What's helping you? This myth, this myth. If it, if it was ever correct that people in the bush look to the ABC as their lifeline, mm. it's certainly not true now. Thanks to Stephen Conroy, I think, and uh, Kevin Kevin Rudd for putting in that great thing called the MBN. Uh, I've got I've got a couple of friends um, who are on a property uh, known as uh, mm. Jumble Plains out near Tullamore. That sounds great. And a mutual friend of ours was being interviewed on the ABC. I don't quite know how, but anyway, it was. And I got in touch and said. He's got to be on the ABC this lunchtime. Well, how do we get the ABC? Where's the radio? <laughs> they had to go out to the Ute and tune into the radio because most of the time they're they're doing what we're doing. They're going. Yeah. They're using broadband. Yeah. They use social media, listening to things online to stream podcasts like this. We are huge in Tullamore, by the way. Um, we're, we're the dominant media form in in that area. We, we are the lifeline for Tullamore. <laughs> they, look, they look to us in times of bushfires, droughts. They do. Six o'clock will save us, they say. <laughs> oh, my God, you too. <laughs> Disbelieving looks from Caroline here. Yes. Uh, uh, I feel like that's. I feel like I bring that to the table. <laughs> <laughs> yes, doubt, scepticism and a vague... Thinly veiled loathing. Hey, by the way, uh, I, I've got to tell you, I did something awful this morning to a friend of mine. This is really good. Um, <laughs> Here we go. He's a uh, he's a very uh, creative and visual person. Like uh, he hears words and sees pictures. If you know what I mean. He's he's a he's got one of those uh, very uh, visually oriented brains. Anyway, he called up because he's he's was going to a dentist. He's in his 40s, I think, but he'd never had a filling before and he was a bit concerned about it. And he said, you know, I'm just, you know, it's just so wrong. Getting a needle in your gums is just, that's just terrible. And I said, um, no, there's a really easy way. There's a way you can trick yourself into not being alarmed by this. And he's like eagerly like, oh, tell me what? I said, right, you've got to concentrate really hard. Give it intense focus drill yourself right down into this visual image of the, the immeasurably tiny nanosecond when the unrelenting cold steel of the needle hits your soft, sensitive, yielding, ductile gum. And he almost started crying. Like he was, he was, he start, then he started swearing a lot and I had to get off the phone. But uh, he called back later, later in the afternoon and I, I saw his name on the phone. I said, see, that wasn't so bad. You know, you, I, I guarantee you're fine now. And he said, I can't. He kept. walked out of it, didn't he? Absolutely, 100%. Oh, my God, you are such a terrible friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's stuck in his head forever now. He's rescheduled it for three, three weeks from now. He's rescheduled it. He told, them he, he told, the, uh, he told the dentist he had COVID. And uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, so how much therapy is he having between now and then? Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, he probably miss work for a couple of weeks, and uh, and uh, I don't, probably won't see him again. Uh, I, I doubt if he'd pick up the phone if I rang him. <laughs> but sometimes you can't resist, Caroline. Come on! No, be... I know, I know, I know, I know. I've got some closing business. Oh yes, Tim. We, we, okay. We've got some. We've got a serious, strategic issue to consider on this show. You may have noticed. Hmm? I'm not saying this is true at all. I mean, there's <laughs> okay. an accusation that a particular broadsheet newspaper mm-hmm. in Australia, a particular mm-hmm. broadsheet national newspaper, let's not name it. It's narrowing it, it down a, a little, yeah. It's a pretty, pretty tough pro-coalition 
stance mm-hmm. uh, during the campaign. Uh, now that the wind has changed and Labour's in power, seems to be crab walking the other way. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it mm. is. Okay. I just wonder whether that's a decision we need to make. I mean, do we need to see if Caroline's got a sort of you know, <laughs> a, a green, greeny cousin or something we could get on next week? <laughs> not in my family. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, no. No. No one wants to be disinherited. I think we've got one, but he's, you know, the home doesn't let him out that often. He's... um. He's well cared for. Uh, no, I don't think we should. I think we should embrace uh, the Fox News effect mm. when uh, when Trump lost and everyone's saying, ha-ha, you know, Trump's been defeated in 2020 and Fox News, you know, your terrible messaging didn't work and now you're going to be thrown out. Uh, everyone's going to stop watching you. Fox is uh, raining through the roof and CNN is falling apart. So all the, all the networks that backed MSNBC, NBC, all these networks that backed Biden are collapsing. And well, because they don't have Trump to talk about anymore. It's the exactly. same reason why all the comedians have got nothing to talk about anymore. That's right. They overinvested. So now the highest rating late night, uh, late night show in the US is a cable show. It's uh, Greg Gutfeld on a budget that's yeah, probably right. one tenth mm. of uh, the big Jimmy Kimmel's, Jimmy Fallon's, all of those idiot shows. Steve Colbert um, with a car. He'd have a staff of. Again, one third the size of those big guys, and he outrates them. It's brilliant. So it's just about ratings. I mean, I mean, we could take a stand on principle. You know, we could do, we could be the, we could take the hell a with leaf, that. A leaf out of the <laughs> French resistance playbook and go around blowing up bridges in North Fitzroy, that sort of thing. Are there bridges in North Fitzroy? There's a bridge hotel. Uh, no, sorry, that's Richmond. <laughs> I don't think there's even an overpass, is there? No, that would be a not in Fitzroy. Strategy. No, there's there's not much in Fitzroy mm. that hasn't wanted to blow itself out. Bit of a shame. Thanks, guys. Thanks, okay. thanks, Caroline. Thanks, Caroline. We'd be delighted to have you or your cousin on <laughs> <laughs> on a future show. Every American and LBJ is with Australia all the way. Australia is the best place in the world to bring up a family. But we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. How good is Australia? Yeah!